far as injuries go, really Patrick is the the main one, and as you guys know, he hurt his ankle, so it's uh, that's uh, you know it's been reported that it's a high ankle sprain, so pretty accurate. We're happy Daniel's going to be here. We're happy he's going to be here. Hopefully, we can get something done with his his representatives, and that would be the goal to build a team around him where he could you know lead us to win the Super Bowl. I sense you're antagonized by the question. <laughs> you're scratchy. It's only the question that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. I appreciate your asking. Thank you. It's all dog around his mug. It's just two throws that, that, that I can't have. You can't have in the playoffs. You can't have when you're trying to beat a team like that. You can't have on the road. And um, yeah, no excuses for that. Those are two are 100% on me. Satisfied with the effort? We just got smashed. Like, what are we talking about here, guys? Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. What's Tom Brady going to do? I hope he talks to Jim Gray more often. If he knew what he was going to do, he would have bleeping done it. Yeah. That was his quote. Is that still a weekly thing with Jim Gray? Apparently. Sometimes Richard Sherman is, or no, uh, Larry Fitzgerald is just there like, wow, you guys get intense. So Brady's quote about. Tom, you're leaving everybody guessing. Uh, you said you'll take your time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to do, I'd have already done it. Okay? I'm taking it a day at a time. So there's Tom Brady. Let me ask you this question. <laughs> what does Tom Brady need to make a decision? Like what? Like when? What, like what's he waiting for? Like he doesn't know what he's going to do. Well, he doesn't know if he's going to get his wife back. He's not getting her back. But like what? Like what is he? What's going to determine his decision? Like, does he need to? I think he needs to do some research on some of these teams he might be going to and saying, "Wait a minute, a team out in Las Vegas has no offensive line and no defense." So, I mean, is that it? Does he need to know that there's a good team that's going to want him? That there's a good situation for him? Yeah, I mean, I think that he is. Look, he wants to do one thing and one thing only. He's 46. He only cares about one thing, and that's winning, winning a Super Bowl. So if there are – we've gone over this, came up with like five or six teams that might be interested in him or that make sense to be interested in him. I mean, if I'm him, if I'm not going back to Tampa Bay, I'm taking a little time just to investigate all those teams and see what they have. Well, okay, the way you're phrasing it, you're, you don't think he's retiring. I don't think he's retiring. Okay, so would it be – would it be good or bad for Brady if he came out and said, I'm playing next year, but I don't know where? I mean, I don't know if it'd be good or bad. Like, would him. that hurt I mean, him at all? No, I don't think it would hurt so him. If, if you want him, you want him. So if he's not retiring, why would it? Why would he not say, I mean, tell people right now I'm coming back? I mean, I think he's going to come back. Do I think he's made up his mind completely? Probably not. I just think he's going to play next year. Right. So, okay. So, I mean, to go I, back I don't. Then. I mean, I, he might still be thinking about retiring. Because I, I don't think he's going to retire either. Years old. But to go back to my other question, what does he need to know if he's going to retire or not? Like, if he hasn't made well, up his mind, what what is he waiting for to decide whether he's going to retire or whether he's going to come back? Doesn't he need to know? Doesn't he need to do research on the teams that might be interested in him? So, you think he would, there's a chance he would retire if there wasn't a good situation for him? No, I think he'll come up with what he thinks is the best situation in his mind. Well, I think that's so where he'll go. To play out this hypothetical, let's say only one. Let's say only the Raiders were interested, and Brady looked at that and said, "I am not winning a Super Bowl there." Would he retire? 
I think he'd play for the Raiders. Yep. So then why can't he come out and say, I mean, I'm not retired? Like, what Like what? What does he need to know to say, I'm retiring or I'm not retiring? Like, why is he taking so I understand why he doesn't know what team he's going to play for. But what's taking so long for him to say whether or not he's going to be retired or not? Well, you and I both think he's going to play, but you and I both don't know if he's made that decision in his mind, right? Right, but what does he need I mean, to... What does he need to know? What does he need to hear so for him to say, I'm 100% playing or I'm 100% retired? Like, I, I just don't understand why it's taking so long for him to say, I'm, I'm playing gonna play or, or I'm, I'm going to retire. Right. I mean, I think he, again, I'll go back to my original point. I think he needs to know, and I know you're going to go to the Raiders, but if there are multiple teams, and let's say, let's say he knows there's five or six teams, we don't know that. We don't know how many teams are really interested in him that he's got to do research on these teams and figure out which is the best spot for him. Now, if there is only one team interested in him and it's the Raiders, you are right. There's no reason not to say you're playing or not. Yeah. If, I don't know how many teams are interested in him. Right. If, if in his mind he says, well, I obviously I want to win the Super Bowl. I want to know what teams are out there that would want me. I want to know, you know, which one of those teams I could go win at. Okay. That's the ideal scenario. But surely in his mind he's thought, well, what if there isn't a good scenario? What if none of these are legitimate Super Bowl teams? Would I retire or not? And I don't know why he he should already be able to answer that question in my mind. Right? To me, he should already be able to answer, does he want to play or not? Yes or no. And it and if it's dependent upon can he win the Super Bowl with his team, then he doesn't want to play that badly in my mind. Like if it comes down to if his decision is Let's say it's the Raiders. Let's say it's the Raiders and he says we can't win the Super Bowl or retire. And he and that's a decision for him. He doesn't want to play that badly. He wants to win. He doesn't want to play. He wants to just win a Super Bowl. So unless he comes and plays, right? But it's it's just a matter of does he want to play? Does he do you want to play? Yes or no should have already been answered by Tom Brady. That simple question: Do you want to play next year? Yes or no? He should be able to answer that right now. But I mean, don't if you go back to a lot of forty-something-year-old quarterbacks who are. St- who are still okay. Like Brett Favre every off season would go, ah, I don't really know if I want to play. Right. And what was he waiting for? Was, he didn't know. He didn't know. He but made, why? Like what, like what, I mean, what changed for Brett Favre? You're like, Oh yes, I want to play. I think it's one of those. You wake up after a season and you're like, man, I hurt all over. But Brady, and then like, Brady just did that. He just did this where he woke up after a season, probably hurt all over retired and then said, Oh wait, I missed that. So that, that's not a new sensation for Brett. Right, and Brett Favre did that four times. Yeah. So I'm just <laughs> saying that we have we have evidence of 40-year-olds. See, Tyler, you're too young. You don't understand that once you hit 40, every decision is life or death. <laughs> that's a I, little extreme. <laughs> I just think he should be able to say, yes or no, I'm playing football. I understand team-wise he might not have I, any idea yet. He doesn't he, know how many right. people are really interested in him but, yet. Do you want to play football next year? Yes or no? That should be answered by now. I would think that would be the same for Aaron Rodgers. Do you want to play football? Yes or no? Should be the answer. I think Aaron Rodgers plays football as just something that like occupies his time. What he wants to do is he wants to explore the metaverse. <laughs> he wants to transubstantiate. Yeah. No, you're right. So, all right. We're all energy, and there are crystals. What's the most likely option for Brady? I don't think he's retiring. You don't think he's retiring. Do you think he's more likely to play for Tampa or play for another NFL team? I think he was saying goodbye in Tampa. 
And I think that some of the players said that they felt that 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 was his goodbye. I think he I think he said goodbye in Tampa. And I'm not saying that that's not the best situation, by the way, because it very well could I, be, and it I probably it, is. I think it is going to be. It, it probably is his best situation right. if it's about winning a Super Bowl. So I think if uh, I think it is going to be when if Brady if he checks yes I want to play and then it becomes which teams which are team interested can win the Super or whatever. Bowl. I think Tampa is probably going to be the best because if you come to the Raiders you're not a better team than Tampa and you're in a much tougher division. Same situation. If you go to the jets, I guess maybe you could argue the jets are, could be a little bit better than Tampa as a roster, but you're in a much harder division. You know, I guess he could go to Carolina. That could be viewed as the same situation as Tampa. They're in the same go to the Patriots. Right. But that is basically the jets, right? Your division is extremely tough. And I mean, is your roster that good? Who's he throwing to? Jacoby Myers? He could go. That guy might be a free agent, I think. He could go to the Dolphins. <laughs> so it's just, I, I think ultimately, I, I think he ends up in Tampa Bay. I think he plays another season in Tampa Bay because if he sits down and his goal is, how do I win a Super Bowl at 47 or whatever the hell he's going to be next season? I think it's going to be Tampa Bay because the uh, the other teams with a better chance to win the Super Bowl already have their quarterback and they're not going after Tom Brady. So it's going to sit down. If it's the Raiders, if it's the Jets, if it's the Patriots, if it's the Panthers, if it's, I guess the Colts maybe could be an, uh, another alternative where it's like, yeah, they could do that. But then you're working for Jim Ursay and yeah, actually Brady and Ursay might like be best friends, right? Those two might be like, oh yeah, we see eye to eye on things. He go with Jeff one. Go, one takes all the chemicals. None. One takes none of them. <laughs> Unless water's a chemical. <laughs> Jim Ursay is going to seal the deal with Tom Brady, but then he spends an hour in Tom Brady's bathroom, and Tom Brady thinks it's weird. That's right at the at the <laughs> mansion where there's forty six bathrooms. Where'd that guy go? Or Tom Brady is like, listen. You need a better digestive system. Let me get you on <laughs> exactly. some of the stuff I'm on the TB12 diet, right? And then Jim Irsay is like, "Oh, we're in, we're giving you even more money now." And it's gonna, you're gonna be the head coach, and Jeff Saturday is gonna be your assistant. <laughs> That's gonna be the future plan from here. The other detail here um, is that whole report we had last off season, where Brady has that offer from Fox just waiting for him. It's a ten-year, three hundred and seventy-five million dollar deal from Fox for him to be a, an analyst. Once he retires, he retires for good. God, that's a hell of a deal to have set yeah. up. And by the way, I wouldn't retire as long as NFL teams were still well, paying me. No, why would you? If you know that's sitting there right. For you. It, I mean, I that's guess we don't know. We don't know exactly what the agreement is. Maybe it expires after two right. years or something. Right. But as long as that sort of is just sitting and waiting, I'm coming back to play. As long as the NFL teams are paying me like thirty million a year, or and I know more, this is sitting out there. Right. I'm coming back until I'm like, all right make as many $30 million contracts as I can. And then hello Fox. I'm here for 10 more years. God. Can you imagine having that in retirement? I'm going to retire and I'm going to a job that's going to pay me $375 million in retirement. And I work I one, for... I work one day a week doing right. something passively that I probably would do at home on my right. couch. Actually is Brady, is Brady going to be the John Gruden type announcer where he's like, oh, I'm up at 5am watching film. On yeah, the, he's probably up at 5 a.m. anyway, right. working out. Is he just like, I'm up at 5 a.m.? I'm what does he run on a treadmill? That might seem too yeah, normal I mean, for him, but I'm running on a treadmill and I just put on the tape of whatever game Saturday or game, Sunday game I'm analyzing. calling. Yeah, he might be the John Gruden type that is just like way too into 
Is he sending problematic it, emails? Uh, was yeah. that deal uh, in house or calling games like Romo? I think it was calling. Yeah, I uh, think it was becoming the Romo. I'd have to find it, but I think it was the be an analyst for the the main Fox game every Sunday, whatever their primary game is. Who do they have now? Because they're not great. Who does Fox have? Joe Davis is the play-by-play guy. That's their number one. I can't remember who was with him. Which the, which is always a good sign. Yeah. Which channel was uh, Cowboys um, Niners on? CBS. Where's, no, they were where's, Fox. Where's but Greg Olson? But that was Greg Olson. I think is their number two guy. Yeah. Because he was not with Joe Davis. Because he, the way he talked during the game, he's doing the Super Bowl. He's good. Oh, is he? He talked during the game like he's doing Super. Bowl. He goes, oh. you know, when we're doing the Super Bowl, I'm going to ask you this and this. Okay. Well, that may have been him being like, yeah, when we're doing the Super Bowl and some producer's like, you're not doing the Super Bowl. <laughs> we got Tom, Brady doing the Super Bowl. got Tom Brady doing the Super Bowl. He's going to retire Who soon. Who told you that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Wake up. Last night in the Mountain West, Nevada beat New Mexico 97-94 in double overtime. Nevada, second in the Mountain West, 6-2 and two right now, just behind San Diego State. Uh, you were telling me B.J. Reigns, who covers Boise State, uh, was upset about Nevada students storming the court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he and said lot, you, have, you well, have to be a top he, 10 he, team. He, his feeling is you should be a top 10 team or you should be a major <laughs> upset. And his feeling also was Nevada was favored in the game. <laughs> who cares? Uh, there's no chance kids who stormed the court knew that. Uh, and le- Well, what am I saying? They probably all made bets. But anyway, some of them didn't know that. Um, and I just look. I've always thought in this sense, like, who cares? Like, it's college. They're trying to have fun. They're trying to, you know, you remember that stuff? I mean, I, I don't, like, I have no opinion on that if kids storm the court. Wyoming kids did it the other night beating Colorado State. It was their first conference win. They stormed the court. Like, I didn't even blink. I'm like, oh, okay, they stormed the court. Who cares? Like, as, I don't care. As long it. as you don't, like, fight the other team's players. No, you let them get off the court. Right. No, you know, yeah, you don't, you don't push them or anything like that. You let them get off the court or you let them walk by you or whatever. I have no opinion either way. I, storming good the court's great. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, it's just oh, good. Good for them. I'm on board with storming the they court. They beat him in overtime. They beat the team that Alford used to be the coach of. It was a good. It was a double overtime. It might yeah, have double, double overtime. overtime. Here, yeah. Here's the thing about court storming. It has. It is associated with upsets. It's associated with oh, you upset right. the best team in the country, right. and you storm the floor. When in reality, it should just be viewed as a celebration. That was a terrific game last night. Yeah. It was a dramatic game last night between two good A lot of emotions in terms of as you watch that game as a fan. So it's not always about upsets. It's about celebrating, which is fun. And I'm here for more fun. The worst. I'm here for storming. I mean, yes, absolutely. The worst advice that anyone has ever given anyone is act like you've been there before. When the actual answer is... Act like they're never going to let you do it again. I'll give you a fun... Storm the court. You may never get to storm yeah. a court again. <laughs> I'm going to give you a fun uh, fun takeaway from Nevada's win over New Mexico, though. I think Richard Patino, the head coach of New Mexico, New Mexico, lost the game for New Mexico by calling a timeout. Because here's what happened. Tie game. New Mexico gets a rebound with about 25 seconds left. Tie game in regulation? This is No, this is the end of double overtime. Okay. New Mexico gets the rebound, 25 seconds left, tie game. So basically, they're going to have a chance to take the last shot yeah, and win, win the, the game. game. But Morris Udeze, the center for New Mexico, who got the rebound, uh, there were two Nevada guys who just 
trapped him as soon as he got the rebound and he swung an elbow and hit a guy in the head and knocked him to the ground. But the refs didn't call a foul. They should have, but the refs did not call a foul. He eventually passes it and New Mexico dribbles the ball past half court. And then Patino calls timeout with 14 seconds left. Cause he's all right, let's set up a play, get a game winning shot here. But after he called timeout, the refs go to the monitor right, and right. review it. And F1. because Udeze elbowed somebody in the face, that's a flagrant foul. So instead of 14 seconds, tie game, New Mexico ball chance to win, it's now two free throws for Nevada plus Nevada's ball with 14 seconds left. Nevada made one of two free throws, then got the ball, got fouled, made both. So they go up three points and New Mexico then had, I don't know what it was, 12 seconds. They didn't make their three pointer to tie the game. So, that game went, again, New Mexico tie game, chance to win it to Nevada now has the lead off of free throws. Literally didn't have to make a shot, just had to go make a couple free throws. And Nevada ends up winning that game. And the refs never review that if Patino doesn't call the timeout. Because if he doesn't call the timeout, New Mexico brings the ball up. There's 14 seconds left. They run it down. They take a shot. If they score, they win. If they don't, they go to triple overtime. I've seen several people on Twitter, a lot of national writers as well who are watching the game, and you watch it so you can tell me what you think. He got fouled at least twice before he swung the elbow, and they didn't call it. Yeah, but it was a flagrant foul. I mean, he got he got fouled in terms of a guy, you know, hit his arm or something like Trying that. Trying to trap him. Yeah, but... Okay, I, I did, that's... The, one of the national writers wrote, they missed the call before he swung the sure, elbow. Sure, right. Uh, the, you, you don't swing an elbow. The problem... No, exactly. The ultimate problem is the refs in that moment decided we're letting it go. We're letting everything go. New Mexico's got the ball to win the game. We're not, we're not calling a foul at the other end of the floor to give New Mexico free throws to go win the game, but we're also, we're also not, not calling, calling a that. foul because he knocked the guy down, right? We're just play play was basically what the refs decided, but because Patino called the timeout. And because flagrants get reviewed and common fouls don't when they go to the monitor and look, they can only give a flagrant foul. Right. They can't go back and say, oh, well, we missed him right. when he hit the him on the arm. Exactly. They can only give a flagrant foul for elbowing the guy in the face. And, I and they can't review. Well, can they review? New Mexico goes down, hits a shot to go up with three seconds left, and there's a stoppage in play. That is a good question. If New Mexico am, had scored. And it, it, there's still time on the clock. And then there was a timeout. Yeah, and then there was stoppage in play. I actually don't because know. Because do you take the points off the board? I actually don't know what happens in that scenario. I've never known him take points off yeah, the board. I'm gonna, I don't know what happens in that scenario. I'm going to say I have no idea. Because if it happens like with 14 minutes left in the game, I'm going to guess no, you can't. If if they had come down and scored. And scored, I don't think you can take it off. Yeah, I think that they, they would have said, oh, we got to play. you got to play on. Yeah. So Patino's timeout ultimately... Let lost them do the game that. because it gave it ultimately gave Nevada four free throws in a tie game right. when Nevada didn't even have the ball at that point. Um, one thing on UNLV basketball here, um, which UNLV team has had a worse second half of the season? UNLV football started four and one, then ended on a one and six note, or UNLV basketball who started ten and zero and is now two and seven. Second half of the season? Yeah. Technically, we haven't gotten through the entire second half I, I of just, UNLV's season. I mean, I never expected UNLV to have football to have more than four or five wins. <laughs> so the fact they finished one and six, I'm like, eh, they got five wins. That's probably, well, it was it hit the over. 
I think the, I think the number was four and a half. So they actually overachieved. So I might say basketball. Did you expect basketball You're to be ten and zero? Though no, t- no. But once they were, I certainly didn't expect them to fall off the face. But we didn't think and four and seven. one football was falling off either. When UNLV football got to four and one. Well, we were saying bowl easy. Right, because the schedule was, okay, they've got, what was it, four hard games, five hard games. And then Reno and Hawaii, Hawaii and Reno. Right, and we were like, well, they'll probably win one of the five hard games. because then they'll win one of the, if not both, of Hawaii and Reno. And this is a six-win team and maybe a seven-win team. And then they only got one. So to to me, it's crazy how similar it is, where somewhat low expectations coming in, both teams get off to an incredibly fast start, the football team, it was bowl game, bowl game, bowl game, because they're four and one. The basketball team, ten and zero, was NCAA tournament. Yes, almost identical. We yeah. had it on the board. It's still yes. up there. You guys just crossed it out, and then <laughs> well, they could still make it. We just we've changed it from <laughs> they needed X amount of wins to they need four wins in the Mountain West tournament, <laughs> and then both of them fell off the face of the earth. I mean, one and six to end the season, awful for football. Two and seven for the basketball team. It's all like. It seriously went from, oh my God, Arroyo's going to go to a bowl game. Oh my God, Kruger's going to go to the NCAA tournament to they did what now? They literally can't win a game anymore? Like, it's incredible how similar it is. And I don't know which one is worse. I mean, for for Arroyo, you look at it and say, you just needed one, one more. Like, you just needed to grab one more, and you're in a bowl game, and he's probably still got his job. Whereas Kruger technically still has, you know, the rest of the season where he could turn it around or it could get worse. Um, but I don't know which one is worse. I will say that you at least set me like you set us up for basketball early by saying this is a really, really weak like schedule. Yeah. Where didn't quite tell us how good the mountain West was going to be in comparison, wow. but uh, nobody expected Nevada no. to be good this year. Nobody thought no. New Mexico. What are they? No. 18 and three. Yeah. The hell is that? Nobody thought that. By the way, I think I might be a problem for New Mexico. I swear to God, every time I watch them, they're terrible. Every time every I watch time you that watch team, them, they probably are ranked, and then they get unranked. Every time I watch that team, I'm like, they're not that good. <laughs> like they're fine, but they're not. And but they're 18 and three. Yeah. I'm like, what? Doesn't make any sense. So, I think I've only watched their three losses though. So I don't you know. UNLV. I'm, Reno and who they they lost to Fresno before. Fresno, oh, they lost that. They lost that. That was like the first one I watched the entire. Yeah, and you're New like, Mexico this is the game. team, and they were undefeated. Yeah, and I'm like, they kind of suck. And then they played UNLV. I'm like, yeah, they definitely <laughs> suck. But nope, they keep winning every other time. Coming up next, you're on ESPN Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace joins. The Golden Knights play today. It's a 4:30 start time. Ryan Wallace, pregame, intermission, and postgame. He'll be out at Treasure Island at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Good morning, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, I'm guessing you very much like East Coast games that start at 430. Oh, they're the best. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We were talking about this earlier in the show. It's a little over a month away, but relatively close. Golden Knights trade deadline. How active, we kind of agreed, they're going to be buyers almost no matter what, because that's what they've always done. But how active do you think they will be, and how active do you think they should be when we get to the deadline? Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it really does hinge on Mark Stone and, and whether or not you're getting 
Mark Stone back healthy 100% maybe right after the All-Star break. So, like, if that's something that happens and the Golden Knights can, can get kind of a, a real good sense of what they've got up front um, in, in terms of their depth, how they want to deploy their lineup, all of that, you, you can kind of bank on Mark Stone being in, then I think it kind of changes things because then I, I think you buy a little bit harder because you you have more, you know, more to work with up front. Now, um, the other aspect of this, too, is you want to go big on one player, and I, I know that there's quite a few people out there that, that think that, well, Patrick Kane's the biggest guy out there, so the Golden Knights are going to go strictly for Patrick Kane. I don't think that that's necessarily the right way to go. Um, whether or not the Blues are interested in moving Ryan O'Reilly or Vladimir Tarasenko, like, I think that there's, there's an opportunity with one of those two players where um, on an expiring deal, they might be able to fit if Ryan O'Reilly, to me, was was to come into this Golden Knights team, it would be down the lineup, shut down, really something that could they could bolster your third line. And then the other aspect too is, is whether or not you're getting healthier on defense. If, if Shea Theodore's around the corner and it looks like he's he is, um, and if you know you get Zach Whitecloud back like around the trade deadline, then I'm not too certain you need to bolster your defense that much. But maybe there's somebody out there that the Golden Knights are looking at. I think that ultimately they're going to buy at least one player. Whether or not they buy more depends on if Mark Stone's healthy or if there are other injuries that pop up through the course of the next uh, five weeks or so. Uh, they don't have to say it now, but if you're internally right now and you know Stone's out for a long time, um, do you? if they were asked the question today, are you cup contenders, what do you think their answer would be? I, I think that, you know, objectively, they're going to look at the standings. They're first place in the Pacific Division. And, you know, it's been a rough stretch, right? Like, they haven't been able to really put together a long run of winning uh, since they went on a 13-3 and run to start the year. But I do still think that internally, uh, the front office and ownership thinks that this is a team capable of winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, you go through injuries, every team's going to. Uh, but I don't think that they're going to judge this team on an incomplete season, and that's where we're at right now. It's not complete. So I, I think that they still believe 100% that this, this configuration of players with this coach through another 35 games can get to a point where they are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. Uh, it's gotten pretty bunched up in the division. Do you still feel good right now about them being the winners at the end of the season? I think the Pacific Division is is pretty wide open, to be honest with you. Like I, I, I need to see the Golden Knights kind of turn a corner in terms of consistency with their play. And when I say consistency, I don't necessarily mean results. I mean willingness to put pucks in deep and forecheck. Like it's been there at times, and then it's gone away from the Golden Knights. I need to see this team stop with the east-west passes just inside the offensive blue line that get picked off easily and go back the other way for odd man rushes. Those are the things Bruce Cassidy is really trying to impart in his team. Do not play that way. Play the right way. Play what's given to you, and your forecheck can create opportunities for you. Um, if they get a little bit more consistent with that, then I think the wins will follow, and therefore I'll feel pretty. I'll feel better about them. Uh, but I think a lot of teams that right now are bunched up, like the Seattle Kraken, they're winning because they're outscoring terrible goaltending. Can that? really hold up for 82 games we'll find out the Edmonton Oilers again terrible goaltending but you've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl 
you can overcome that. And then the Los Angeles Kings, they've been a, a total roller coaster all season long. So I think all four teams have their question marks, um, but I could reasonably see any of those four teams winning the division. Brett Howden back today in Jersey. Uh, uh, Shea Theodore uh, non-contact. I mean, how much does this mean just to see them out there? Yeah, it's going to be big. I, I think, you know, Brett Howden brings an element of playing on the inside, getting to the front of the net. He, he's a you know, bigger body that's a little bit harder to move. Um, and just an NHL player, right? And I think that, that you kind of need those players in the lineup when you can get them. Uh, Shea Theodore, I, I don't expect will play tonight. He was in a, a no-contact jersey for the morning skate today. But just having him out there is important. If he's able to go in any of these games prior to the, uh, to the bye week and the All-Star break, that's going to really help the Golden Knights transition game. It'll help him through the neutral zone because he's so good at picking a puck up in his own zone and making the right play to get the puck into the hands of the forwards so that they can do something with it. So I think the Golden Knights have missed Shea Theodore's ability to move the puck on the back end. Getting him back in the lineup is going to be huge when it, when it finally does happen. Bruce Cassidy played Logan Thompson both games of a back-to-back. Um, should we read into that? There's a level of urgency, desperation, or is there not much to read into that? Uh, urgency, I think, is the right word. I don't know that desperation is quite where you're going, but urgency to win games, urgency to roll and, and get on a roll and try to find a winning streak. Like I think Bruce Cassidy going back to Logan Thompson was uh, – a strong message to his team. We're not taking the Arizona Coyotes lightly. We want to win this game. We expect to win this game. We need to win this game. And we're putting the best lineup that we have on the ice to do so. It didn't work out, obviously, but I think what Bruce is trying to do is he's got a number one guy. It's Logan Thompson. He's going to have to lean on Logan to get some results, and that's really where where it kind of begins and ends. I would expect Logan Thompson to play again tonight. What are they doing? I mean, you know, like you said, they're uh, kind of scuffling around right now and what Cassidy's trying to do with them in terms of schematically, but what are they doing well? I mean, what, you know, because they are in first place in the Pacific, and I think sometimes we kind of focus on what they're not doing well. What, why are they continuing to be first in the Pacific? Well, I, I think, honestly, it, it's because they went 13-3 and three in their first 16 games. Like, as, as, as much as there have been some really good moments and, and some really bright spots for this Golden Knights team, um, I think that what they've done well or what they did well was they took advantage of teams early on in the year where, uh, you know, they were a bit more buttoned up. They were a bit more bought into their systems. And I think as the season wears on, right, you get to see teams more than once and, and teams kind of get a little bit tighter in their own systems. It becomes a little bit more difficult to win games. And unfortunately for the Golden Knights, that's when their injuries hit. Uh, when Jack Eichel was out of the lineup, Mark Stone elevated his game, and this team was able to find ways to win. They went on a bit of a run there. That was important for them. They've been opportunistic in, in finding ways to win games when they haven't had their full complement of players. But without Mark Stone in the lineup, that hasn't really been the case. So what you're going to need and what they're going to have to continue to do is find ways to win in order to stay in the position that they're at. And that's going to have to happen with Jack Eichel, Chandler Stevenson, the Misfits, really upping their game and finding ways to be impactful because of, of, of yet it hasn't really happened that way. Coyotes, New Jersey's, they debuted against the Golden Knights. Good or bad? Terrible. Oh. Yeah, there you so go. Terrible. There you go. What's wrong with them? Everything, Tyler. You like them? 
They're great. They're great jerseys. I hate them. Oh, it says a lot about you, buddy. It they're says great so jerseys. much about you that you like those jerseys. They are as boring as boring can be for a team that has the Kachina jerseys that are so vibrant and pop with color. To just go back to that stupid desert night red is is ridiculous to me. And then uh, it's just Arizona word mark. Like that's fine, whatever. Uh, the the coolest thing about the jersey, literally the coolest thing about the jersey, is the captain's sea patch. It's that half moon, but they don't have a captain. They don't have a captain. They literally designed a jersey with the coolest aspect of it being the captain's sea, and they don't have a captain. It's ridiculous. Uh, the coolest thing is the um, cactus on the pants. No, it's not. No, it's not, because you know why? Those pants should have been tan. The base should have been tan with a red cactus. They screwed that up too, Tyler. Yeah, that would have been better. You're right. Doesn't make the rest of it bad. It's a great Arizona looks great. The design oh, across the, the bottom jersey. is good. The good the jersey. Oh my god. They, they look they look like uh Chris Chapman said that they look like a tablecloth and he's absolutely <laughs> right. If that was a Golden Knights jersey, it would be their best jersey. No, oh no. my god, Tyler, you are so so wrong. That was a Golden Knights jersey. It's better than any Golden Knights jersey they've ever had. Oh, no. Yep, 100%. No. You're, you're, you're doubling down on this nonsense. 100%. Now. You're doubling this down on this nonsense. the worst take you've ever had in your entire life. It's absolutely better than any jersey. The, the only oh. thing good about the Golden Knights jerseys is one is sparkly gold, which is cool, and then the black ones have a cool font. I like the black ones. Black ones are good jerseys. They're not as good as Arizona's. He's They're Ryan much Wallace. Better. Much better. He'll be at uh, Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar today uh, as the Golden Knights take on the New Jersey Devils at 4.30. Ryan, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It's a good jersey. Hate it. It's a good jersey. (laughs) Hate that jersey. I mean... And I'm not a Jersey guy. You know this. No, we've turned you into one. You can't say yeah, that anymore. Yeah, no, you're a New Jersey guy. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't change that. <laughs> We're going to ask you about pizza and hoagies. <laughs> we have uh, evolved you. Is it weird that I think it just looks like a like sweater from the 1980s? What does that mean? Like, it just like looks a hockey like, sweater or no, just a like regular a, like sweater? No, like a regular sweater from yeah. the 80s. Yeah, that's fine. That just literally like you would get because you visited Arizona and you're Dad was like, ah, we need to get something. Uh, This was in the airport. All right. We got tickets to give away to go see Luke Bryan on February 10th at Resorts World. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. Be caller 11 right now, and you'll win two tickets to see Luke Bryan at Resorts World on February 10th. Again, caller 11 at 702-364-1100. You're locked in the press box. Did you just play a random Malik Monk highlight? No, it was a Sabonis. Sabonis highlight. highlight. Yeah. yeah. Things are good. Um, I saw a stat on ESPN this morning. Lakers and Clippers play tonight. That the Clippers have beaten the Lakers like nine straight times. Quite that, good. Has it been that much? That seems impossible yeah. in the NBA, right? For those two teams, yeah. I mean, the Clippers, have, don't even, they don't even have Kawhi half the time. I know. For those nine, you've probably played in, what, four of them? <laughs> if that. Like, that's kind of insane that they've beaten or won that many times in a row. Um, so yeah, Lakers and Clippers tonight. That'll be fun. Uh, did you see Stefan Diggs tweet saying, want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to the standard? No, but it makes sense after he left before anyone got to the locker room. <laughs> did you see that Eli Apple quote tweeted it saying Cancun on three? Oh, no. <laughs> hey, hey, that's it's three, two, one Cancun. I know he got it wrong. He got it wrong a little bit, but yes, uh, phenomenal work on Twitter by Eli Apple. Still the greatest, one of the greatest behind the scenes stories of all time is 
I don't even remember who told the story originally, but the team was like, had won like 20 games. It's an NBA team, and they go into the final timeout. <laughs> Three, two, one, Cancun. <laughs> who wouldn't? It's fine. Man, so uh, here, here's what. Eli Apple retweeted Stefan Diggs saying, want me to be okay with losing, and then retweeted Stefan Diggs saying, want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to the standard. And then quote tweeted Stefan Diggs saying Cancun on three and then spent yesterday retweeting people tweeting bad things about Stefan Diggs. Like that's retweeting, what he spent. Not, not quote tweeting. He also, he did. Yeah. Just straight retweeting people. He did quote tweet. Somebody tweeted out the video of Diggs yelling at Josh Allen and said, someone get them in couples therapy. So the funny thing to me is Stefan Diggs wanted out of Minnesota because he didn't like Kirk the way like Kirk Cousins got him right. the ball. It doesn't look like he's real happy with Josh, Josh Allen. I mean, where is is, he... is this the dude that's just like, no, you target me? Yeah. None of these other guys. Yeah. It's like you got six dudes on here. Yep. Hey, when you've got ten points in a home playoff game. Oh, yeah, just got, feed it. I got no problem with Stefan Diggs saying, what the hell are we doing? Throw me the ball. Now, if they if they were like, if they were losing a shootout, if it was 35 to 31, yeah, then calm down, Stefan. But when you got 10 points? And if, they oh. thir- if they had 31, he probably would have gotten more. Right. More He's probably. Anyway. Yeah. But if they've got 10 points and you're not throwing the Diggs the ball. Yeah, no problem. Light him up. Light him up. The bigger issue is Josh Allen just not acknowledging him. He didn't even put his head up. Right. He just kept looking at the iPad. What's that? That's yeah. that's the bigger issue than Diggs being like, whatever. Diggs, you got eliminated from the playoffs and you're you're upset about it. That's fine. I don't know who the random practice squad running back is. It's got to stop you from leaving the field. That might be a little <laughs> well, weird, but like that's he's mad because they sucked and, and he, he didn't, didn't get do the anything. ball enough. Well, but Josh on. Allen just staring into the abyss. Like, come on, Josh, let's do something. How much or how many years does Stefan Diggs have left on his contract? Because maybe the practice squad running back's his cousin and they brought him in to <laughs> negotiate his contract and keep him happy. <laughs> what is Stefan Diggs is still there a couple of years, right? He's got a couple more. Yeah, he's uh he's his contract runs through twenty twenty seven. Oh wow. I don't he's know what there. the I don't know what the guaranteed money is, so it's an NFL He's there. it's an NFL contract where it's like, ah oh, yeah, it's seven years, but we only owe you the first two. Right. Right. So he it may be guaranteed money. He might be out soon, but it runs through twenty twenty seven, at least the length of that contract. So I assume he's got at least another year or two of, of yelling at Josh money. Allen. Yeah, yeah. Of yelling at him. Of yelling at Josh Allen and, and going from there. What but. if the Josh Allen we saw for those two years? was the fake Josh Allen and the Josh Allen. We saw the first year and we saw recently in the the playoffs is the real Josh Allen. By the way, because I went and looked yesterday, we talked a little bit about Josh Allen and the the blame he deserves in his playoff losses. um, Last year against Kansas city, he was very good. That's terrific game. One of the best games ever. Every other time they've lost, he's had a bad quarterback rating and his completion percentage has been in the fifties. So he's been what he bad. did at Wyoming, right? He's yeah. been well at Wyoming. His completion percentage was like in the forties half the time, but he's been bad when they've lost every time, except for the one game against Kansas city last year. So you can pretty much so go back criticism. to, you can go back to pretty much all their losses, all their postseason yeah. eliminations and say, Oh, why did they lose Josh Allen in the offense? So he does deserve bad. criticism. Yeah. A hundred percent. But it's a, it's a weird place to be because 
He deserves the criticism. He hasn't been good enough. You're not changing anything, right? No, you, of course not. It's Josh Allen it's is still team. a really good quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And you're not, I mean, yes, you could have Patrick Mahomes, but you're not getting Patrick Mahomes. You're not right. upgrading from Josh Allen. So he's your quarterback. And listen, if over the next eight years, Josh Allen isn't good enough, the Bills aren't winning a Super Bowl. Right. Like that's, that's the reality, but that's, that's a bet that, 29 other NFL teams are going to take, right? The Chiefs oh, wouldn't have take him? it because they have Mahomes. Of course. The Bengals wouldn't take it because they have Burrow. Burrow. Outside of that, almost every other team in the league would be like, all right, we'll sign up for Raiders eight years. Raiders would take it over Josh. Brady. Right, 100%. We'll sign up for eight years of Josh Allen. And if <laughs> and if he happens to not be good enough, then we just don't win the Super Bowl right. for eight years. But we're close a lot because they're going to be. They're going to yeah. be close. He's, he's really good. He just, you know, fumbles the ball 74 times against Miami and almost lost to Skylar Thompson, which is probably is more damning than losing to Joe Burrow and only scoring 10 points is the fact that he they almost gave, lost to Skylar He Thompson. gave the Dolphins like 21 life. points. Life. Yeah. He was like, ah, you guys want a chance to win? Here's the ball. Good luck with that.